says this, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took with him, with him, with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this time to come to your word. Uh, Lord, we are, we are grateful that we have your word as truth to guide us, to lead us through the storms of life. And we pray, Lord, tonight that we would come to see that you are with us, that you guide us, that you encourage us, that you provide us hope when it feels hopeless that you remind us that you are in control of all things when it feels like things are spinning out of control. Lord, that you are with us in the boat as the storms rage all around us. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Before we get started tonight, can we just uh, give the band a round of applause for leading us tonight? We're going to have to do the worship set more often. That was amazing, unbelievable. So make sure you encourage and they put a lot of time and attention to leading us in worship. It's powerful every single week. And uh, one other little housekeeping. Uh, I've been saying this every single week and I'm going to keep saying it. I want to see us grow together. Pull your phones out. Text the word hi to our text number. Uh, we had a really good response the first week, and then you guys dipped on me last week. You know, we're tracking. We know how many people are texting in. So if you want to text in, really encourage you to do that. It uh, doesn't just make us feel better, but it's also so that you can engage with us, right? All the announcements are in there for ways that you to click and engage and sign up in RSVP. But really the important aspect of this is that this is a time for us to interact with God's Word together, and you're going to see all the sermon slides in there. You're going to see additional texts and verses that I'll be referencing that are not in your worship program, uh, and you can kind of follow along so we're walking through God's Word together instead of just listening. You're actively participating instead of passively listening. And so tonight we begin uh, week five of our series entitled, God Is... And I want to jump right into the passage. And so as you heard the passage read, this is a familiar passage in the New Testament. Maybe you've heard this before where Jesus calms the storm on the Sea of Galilee as the disciples are freaking out. And right before this, in the, the beginning of chapter 4, because this is the very end, in the beginning portion, Jesus is teaching on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a large crowd of people have gathered around. Jesus kind of has momentum now. People want to hear what he has to say. He's preaching about the kingdom of God and forgiveness and the Messiah has come and all of this stuff. And people are eating it up and they're listening. And there's a huge crowd. He's teaching parables. And the sun starts to set and Jesus looks at the disciples. He's like, guys, it's time to go. We have to go across to the other side. We need to leave the crowd. And we learn something there. Jesus is pro-boundaries. He, uh, he has a social quota. So some of you are like, I have a social quota. So did Jesus. 
okay? He's with the crowd. He's like, guys, it's time to go. No more crowd time. It's been enough. We've got to get to the other side. And so the disciples get together and like, okay, let's, let's follow Jesus. We're going to go across the sea. And here's what it says on verse 35 and 36. On that day when the evening had come, after they'd been teaching all day, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And there are other boats with him. So Jesus and disciples are in a small wooden boat. And they're going across the Sea of Galilee. And there's other boats kind of on their entourage. And they're, they're escaping the crowd to settle in for the evening and start a new day. And so they're going to cross over to the other side. Now, one thing to realize is that the Sea of Galilee is not large. Here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee. So if you've never seen it before, here's a picture of it. It is a, a lake that we call a sea. I don't know why. Um, some of you that maybe know more about the earth can explain that to me. But this is the Sea of Galilee. And uh, so what would happen is that there would be a common transportation of going across. So people would cross the sea on boats to get to the different villages surrounding the sea. And obviously, uh, they were full of uh, fishermen as well. Many of the disciples were expert fishermen. And so this journey that they're taking across the sea was very familiar. They've done many, 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 many times. And so they're crossing this very familiar trek from one side to the other, to a different village, to settle in for the evening. And verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, one thing to know about the Sea of Galilee is that great windstorms coming out of nowhere are not uncommon. They happened all the time, and they still happen today. Because if you remember the picture, check the picture out again, you can see that there are mountains on either side of the water. See, that the Sea of Galilee actually sits below the sea level. It's in a basin, and there are mountains on the outside of the water, as well as there are mountains like Mount Hermon, which is just in the distance, about 9,000 to 10,000 feet above sea level, not far away. And so winds would come ripping over these mountains, and when they would get to the sea, as it still is common today, the winds would converge, and it would create great violent windstorms out of nowhere. And the disciples, many of them that have grown up here and been fishing here their whole life, they know this. In fact, many fishermen would avoid sailing in the afternoon to the early evening because this is the prime time for the windstorms to come in. Most fishing would happen late at night or early in the morning. But remember, Jesus, after this long day of teaching, he looks to disciples and he says, hey guys, in the late afternoon, early evening, peak time for the storms, let's get in the boat and head across to the other side. And as they are going across, this windstorm comes out of nowhere. And remember, they are on small wooden fishing boats that are powered by sails. And so the boat is rocking all over the place. This is not a fiberglass boat where you can go hide in a cabin and wait it out and feel safe. No, this is a wooden boat that is, could rip apart. The sails being drugged and ripped all over the place. I mean, they are panicking. Terror is setting in. They're clenching to the side of the boat, holding on to the mast. And then we read in verse 38, but Jesus was in the stern, that's at the back of the boat, I Wikipedia that, asleep on the cushion. They're freaking out as this violent storm that is shaking them to their core. I mean, these expert fishermen in the boat are panicking. 
and they're clinging to everything, and they look over, and Jesus is on a cushion asleep. Can you imagine how they felt? Like, Jesus, we're going across the sea at the, wor- the worst possible time in the day because you asked us to, and now a violent windstorm has come out of nowhere, which is a higher chance because we decided to listen to you, and we are freaking out like we're going to die. The boat is being thrown all over the place. We're clenching to the side of the boat to hold on for life, and you're sleeping. So it says that they woke him, and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? This isn't like they just like kind of tap Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, we're freaking out here. Would you mind waking up and like kind of helping us, telling us, maybe giving us some advice on what to do? It's like, I imagine this is Peter. I don't know, but I imagine Peter is holding onto the mast, and he's like kind of kicking at Jesus, and he's looking at him, and Jesus opens his eyes. He's like, do, we're dying. You're sleeping, and we're dying. We listened to you to go across the sea, and now, what are you doing? And so Jesus wakes up, and he's going to calm the storm. But you see, this is one of the things that happens all the time with us, right? We, we kind of begin to live our life, and we, we know that storms come out of nowhere, and they kind of sweep over us, and they cause panic and, and fear and worry and anxiety. And our first response often is what? God, where are you? Like, are you here? Do you care that it feels like I'm dying? I mean, I'm clenching to everything around me to stay alive, and you're apparently not with me. You're not doing anything. What's the problem? I thought you loved me. I thought you were with me. I thought you're for me. I thought you're faithful, and it feels like you're asleep, God. It says that then Jesus awoke. And he rebuked the winds and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. That's like the understatement of the year. Because not only has the the wind ceased, and all of a sudden the boat that's been rocking around has settled, and it's calm, and the water is like glass again. But I imagine that the disciples are like just not moving. Like, what just happened? They're panicking, probably tears streaming down their face. Peter is losing his mind as he's waking up Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus just stands up kind of nonchalantly, and he looks out at the wind and the sea, and he just says, peace, be still. And it is quiet in the boat. Everything is still, including the disciples who have no idea what to say. And then Jesus looks at them, and he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? He looks at the disciples after he calms the storm that is raging all around them as they're panicking, full of fear that they're going to die. He says, Peace, be still. And as they're shocked, that this has taken place, he looks at them and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you not realize that I'm with you? You know, Forrest Gump told us that life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's true. But I think life is also like the Sea of Galilee. Right? We, We take these trips and these journeys 
we take these steps of faith from one side to the other, from one shore to the other shore. And sometimes there are common points of travel, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, storms sweep upon us. And oftentimes, the journeys that we take in life are because we believe that God is calling us to go somewhere. He's calling us to take a step of faith. He's calling us to go on this journey. He's calling us to this destination. He's given us this goal. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. And there's a storm raging around us. And we begin to fear. We begin to freak out. We begin to panic. We're full of stress and anxiety. And our natural reaction oftentimes is to look at God and say, God, why did you call me to go across the sea? Did you not know that there was going to be a storm? Are you asleep? Where are you? We begin to be full of fear and anxiety. But see, the the problem is that the cause of our anxiety and our fear in the midst of the storms of life that happen to all of us is not, it's not the storm that's the problem. It's that we feel a loss of control. These disciples are expert fishermen, many of them. They have taken this journey so many times. They have been through storms before, but this storm is different. This storm is more violent, more powerful, and all of a sudden, no matter how many times that they've practiced, no matter how much they know about the boat, how to navigate the winds, how to adjust the weight so that they can ride through the storm, they can't hear. They are powerless. They have lost all sense of control, and they begin to feel like they're drowning. They're dying. They are full of fear, and in their panic, as they've lost control, They look to Jesus and they feel like he's lost control too. He's just sleeping. He doesn't care about them. And Jesus wakes up and he calms the storm and he says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still not get it? Do you still not have faith? You see, what he's saying to them is, do you not realize that I'm with you? I'm present. Why are you afraid if I'm in the boat with you? I have the power to calm the storm. I know what's happening. I can say three words, peace be still, and it's over. And yet you're panicking. Like I don't care for you, that I'm not with you, and I don't love you. But they don't see that. Instead, when they lose control, they do what we do we as human beings often do, when we lose a sense of control over our life and the storms begin to press in on us and we feel that panic, we feel that fear, we feel that stress and that anxiety and control has been lost and we feel powerless, we feel like we're not going to make it to the destination that God has called us to, we feel like we cannot fix and right the wrong that's been happening in our life and we're just left full of panic, our natural reaction is to do what? grab the closest thing around us to feel like we have control. It's a false sense of control. It's what the disciples do. They're panicking and they just grab onto the boat to feel like they still have some control. And they look to Jesus, start blaming Jesus that he doesn't care because he's asleep and he's not doing anything right now in the moment. And Jesus wants to remind them that he's in the boat. They shouldn't fear Even when it feels like they've lost control, he's in control. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've lost control in your life as the storms are raging around you. He is in control, and he is with you in the boat. Part of our problem, though, is that we don't believe that God is in the boat with us. 
We believe that he's like outside. He's not with us. He's asleep and he's not waking up. You know, one of the things that's true when you're going through difficult situations in life is that when you have a trusted friend next to you to walk with you, it gives you hope and peace builds up courage and strength in you. When you have a trusted friend, and a, a trusted spouse next to you to walk with you through the trials and the storms of life, it makes you feel at ease. How many of you here like scuba diving? Scuba divers in the room? Not many of you. Um, you live in Miami, so you might want to try it out. <laughs> People uh, fly here from all over the world. I remember uh, a trip that... Uh, it will be in my memories for the rest of my life. I was, previous church I was at, there was a, a couple there that wanted to kind of care for the staff. There had never been like a staff retreat where the, the pastoral staff got to get away and, and really spend time with one another and bring their spouses. And so this couple gave the church a staff retreat to the Bahamas. I was like, praise God I'm at this church. <laughs> so we went to the Bahamas and we're relaxing, we're spending time out there, we're just spending time with one another, and just outside of a work environment, outside of a ministry environment, just kind of ministering to each other. And then I remember one morning, uh, the couple that was there, they woke up and said, who wants to go scuba diving? I'm like, yes, let's go. We're in the Bahamas. This is like the best place to go scuba diving. So their friend, uh, my friend, who is their son, is also there, and he's like an expert diver. He can free dive to like 100 feet, like not even joking, he can free dive to 100 feet. He's an expert scuba diver. He spent his life on the water. He and his dad know this reef really, really well, and so we go out, we get the gear, we get set up, and we take the boat out to this reef, and we anchor, and he's like, you're going to love it. It's beautiful, and so we get all the gear together as a crew of us, and I'm like, I'm going to stay with you. I know that you know, like, the best places to go, and I want to see what there is to see. And so I follow him, and we see the coral, and we see the fish, and it's, you know, the visibility is perfect. It's unbelievable. And he looks at me under the water, and he says, let's go up. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And he says, I have an idea. I'm like, okay. He says, let's go in a cave. I'm like, okay, I've, like, been in a cave before, like a big cave. You, like, kind of, like, swim in. You're like, I'm in a cave, and then, like, you know, kind of come back out. And uh, I'm like, okay. And he goes, but I need to tell you a few things. I'm like, oh, no. He says, we're not going to be able to swim into the cave. You're going to have to shimmy. I'm like, we're scuba diving, not scuba shimmying, you know? Like, what do you mean shimmy? He's like, it's like a small opening, and we kind of, you kind of have to, like, shimmy through. He's like, don't worry, you'll fit. I'm like, you're smaller than me. Are you sure? And he's like, don't worry, I promise, you're going to fit. I'm like, I don't know about this. He goes, one other thing. It's pitch black. Wait, what? You want me to shimmy through a pitch black cave? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a promise. It's worth it. It's going to be the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, does he want to kill me? <laughs> like, he wants me to scuba shimmy in a pitch black cave. But I trusted him because he's an expert diver. He's a good friend. And I told myself, he doesn't want to kill me, you know? And so we go down, and, and we go, and I see the opening. I'm like, he's not joking. I'm going to have to really shimmy here. And so we get into this, this, you know, big hole that's going into the cave. I start shimmying in there, and I literally cannot see anything in front of my face. And it's even worse because what he didn't tell me is it's full of little tiny fish. So there's little fish all over me. I feel like I'm swimming through a cloud of fish, shimmying through a cloud of fish. 
And I'm going through, and he, and he told me before, it's like 30 feet. And so I'm just like, I can't see him. I can't see anything. I'm just going because I trust him. And as I'm going through this cave, you see a little bit of light, and I get out through the hole, and I'm under the dome of a large coral reef mound. Unbelievable. The most beautiful thing ever underwater that I've seen. I mean, you know when you see the huge reefs and the coral, I'm inside of that. And you see the light shooting in and it's perfectly still. I've never seen or experienced something like that in my life. And I never would have unless I trusted him. But I knew who he was. I knew his character and I knew that I could trust him. He wasn't trying to kill me. Even though I went through a pitch black cave full of a cloud of small fish. But I got to see something beautiful. You see, part of this, the problem that we have is that we go through these different times in life where these storms rise up and they begin to shake us and we, we begin to lose control and, and we feel like we're in a small cave shimmying around and we can't see anything in front of our face. There are unexpected things hitting us. And we forget that we have a trusted friend with us who's guiding us and leading us, and doesn't want to bring us into harm, actually wants to bring us into peace, to something beautiful. But we forget that. We look to God, and you're like, God, you're not here, obviously, because you would have never allowed me to go into a storm, because you love me, so therefore that means that you're not going to allow these type of things to happen to me. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Yes, life is full of storms, but I'm with you. I'm in the boat with you. Don't be afraid. You know, during the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, every single year, we remind ourselves as a church of something, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But we act all the time like God is not with us, but God is beyond us. We focus on God's transcendence instead of recognizing that God is also imminent. He is with us. Every step we take, every storm we go through, he is next to us. Even when it feels like he's asleep, he's still in control. Even when it feels like we've lost control. You know, one of the ways that you can tell if you are living and acting as if God is beyond you and not with you is by how you speak to God in prayer. You see, sometimes if you kind of catch yourself when you pray... You may pray to God in a really formal fashion. God of heaven, holy father, creation, creator of all things. And it's not wrong to be formal in prayer. But if your prayers are always formal, oftentimes what it signals is that you don't feel like you're worthy of having a relationship with God. That like God is beyond you. He's too big. He's too large. He's too holy. He's not with you. So you kind of have to clean yourself up and get professional before you pray. Because God's beyond you. One of the other things that you can kind of tell when you're praying and when you're speaking to God is if you speak in your prayer life as if God's not with you. As if he's in another dimension and, and hopefully you're listening, God. I, don't, I hope you're there. I hope that you're, you're listening. I hope that you're giving me your attention. Maybe it's to somebody else right now. I don't know, but... You see, the promise is that Jesus is with you. God is with you at all times. He's present. You speak to him like he's in the room. 
He's next to you. Another way to tell if you're acting and believing that God is beyond you and not with you is that you think to yourself, I'm not going to bring this to God because he's got bigger things to worry about. This is not a big deal. This is kind of superficial. This is just a little windstorm. I'll only bring the violent windstorms to God where I really feel like I'm dying, not the small ones, because God has bigger things to worry about than this, this little fear, this little anxiety. But God is with you, right? If he's with you, he is a part of every storm you're going through, the big ones and the small ones. He wants to have that conversation, that time with you, regardless of whether or not you really feel like you're dying, and it feels like the disciples felt like the boat is filling up with water and you're full of panic, or if it's a light gust that throws you off course and you just get concerned for a moment. He's with you, and he wants you to know that, that you have nothing to fear. You see, the storms in our life can cause panic and anxiety and stress and worry. And Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, do you know I'm in the boat? Like, I'm with you. It may feel like you've lost control, but I'm in control. It may feel like you're going to die, but I'm upholding you. I'm strengthening you. I can calm the storm in a second. You see, your faith does not promise you that you're going to live a life with no storms. But it does remind you that as you go through the storms of life, that you have someone to cling to, someone who's with you, someone who is powerful over the storms, and that is Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah as we recited in our call to worship. Just receive this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is present. He's with you. But you know, in order to, to gain a deep sense of God's presence, you have to also gain a deep sense of God's possession of you. In order for you to know that God is with you, you have to know that he's for you, that he possesses you, that you are his child and you are loved. And some of you may be familiar uh, with the growth and the expansion of the gospel all throughout the world. Uh, you know, one of the chief examples of the way that the gospel is really uh, going forth, the good news of Jesus Christ, of his life, his death, his resurrection, his offer of eternal life and forgiveness through faith. It's taking off in all these different countries all over the world. One of the chief examples is China. The, most people believe that in the next 10 years, China will have more Christians than any other country in the entire world. Unbelievable. You see, for the last 40 years, China has been growing, the church has been growing at 10%, over 10% every single year. As a comparison, in, 19, in the 1960s, about 90% of American Christians identified, or 90% of Americans identified as Christian. In 2016, 73% identified as Christian. Here's the opposite turn. In China, year over year for 40 years, it's been 10% growth. 
And it's been really largely through an underground church movement, right? Because the Chinese government is an atheist government. And there have been all types of persecutions, especially early in the 20th century. It was uh, horrific martyrdom and, and imprisonment and oppression to the church. It's still taking place today as churches are being shut down and, and pastors and congregants and Christians are being imprisoned for their faith. But see, this started about 200 years ago as there was an, a movement, an evangelistic movement to bring the gospel to China. And so missionaries went to China, began to share the good news of the gospel, and it began to change people's lives and transform a people and a country. And all these Chinese leaders that believed in who Jesus was began to, to stand up and they began to care for their people and their country. In the early 20th century, there was many, many Chinese leaders that were caring for their people and leading this underground house church movement. The most famous of them is, his name is Watchman Nee. And he was an intellectual and he was skeptical of the Christian faith and he began to get exposed to it. And one of the things that he said was, I don't know if I could become a Christian because if I believe that Jesus is my savior, I have to also believe that he's my Lord and I'm not ready to change my life. And he begins to get exposed to the message of Christ, and eventually he surrenders his life to Jesus, and he ch it changes everything about him. And he begins to write literature and, and books for the church, and he begins to speak all over China. He even spoke in Europe as well, but eventually, as he faced many storms in life, a huge storm presses in on him in 1952. The Chinese government comes and snatches his, him up and imprisons him for his faith. And he spent the next 20 years of his life in prison, because of his faith, and he died for 20 years in prison in a labor camp. Listen to what he says. I must first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. He went through a 20-year storm in prison, and yet he constantly spoke about how God was with him, present with him in the storm. And he knew this because he knew that through faith in Christ, he was possessed by God, that God claimed him as his son, as he claims you as his son and his daughter through faith in Christ. God is not beyond you. He is with you and he is for you. And so when you begin to feel fear and panic and stress and worry at the storms of life, both big and small, the answer that Jesus reminds us of is that we're to run to him. Don't be afraid. You can feel the storm, but don't be afraid. Have faith that Jesus is with you. And run to him and know that he is. Did you listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1? He says this. When you believed, you were marked in him, Jesus, with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Will you pray with me? God, we are beyond moved that you would care for us, that you would love us, that you would claim us as your own that you would remind us that we are forgiven and that we are loved. Lord, would you strengthen us as we face the storms of life, as 
we lose that sense of control and it builds up in us panic and anxiety and fear. God, as we feel those things, would we recognize that you're with us in the boat? You're next to us. You're present. You're not beyond us. You're Emmanuel. God with us. So would we, God, fight against those things that are pressing on our lives, those storms that are raging as we come to praise you, as we come to glorify you, as we come to worship you, because we know that we are yours, that you have come to claim us as your sons and your daughters, that we're your possession, God. Not of our own doing, but through what you have done, Christ, on the cross for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.